You're listening to a message from Impact Student Ministry, a middle and high school-oriented production of The Summit Church. How's everybody doing? All right. Good to see everyone. Good, good, good. You can be seated. My name's Randy, and welcome. I guess there was nothing else to do tonight, right? (laughs) Well, hopefully... This won't be a waste of your time. That's what we're going to go for, all right? I'm aiming for that. Uh, But it is so good to see so many of you. Yeah, this is great. So uh, we got some good stuff to talk about tonight, and I love being here. First of all, thank you so much for letting me come hang out with you. Thanks for being here. This is fun stuff. Anytime I get a chance to hang out with a group of students, I love it. And the subject that we're talking about tonight is one that I love so much. And uh, so... Had about four to five hours of content to talk about tonight, and so I've cut it way, way, way back, so we'll be all right. Is that okay? Uh, So, there you go. Almost made a mistake, didn't you? Yeah. So, here's what we're going to do tonight. Let's talk about it a little bit. So, uh, for God's love, let's go to the next slide. Here's what we're covering tonight, just so that for those of you that are kind of this OCD and you got to know what's going on, here's where we're going. So, you can kind of pick up on it. Uh, We're going to talk about being lost in the woods, Okay. Uh, we're going to have fun with first century Greek words. And you thought school, you thought you were missing school. How many of you are missing school right now? Okay, so here's the deal. When we talk about this tonight, when we talk about this tonight, you can go into school in the fall and you can say, hey, this summer I studied first century Greek words. The teacher's going to put you in the back of the room. They're going to think you're incredibly smart and you won't have hardly any assignments assigned to you. So pay attention because this could bail you out later on. Uh, and then we're going to talk about echoes and then we're going to talk about here, now, and us. And then we're going to talk about, before we end, even greater things. So um, is it okay if I come down here? Oh, there we go. Hey, that, that, uh, that thing there sometimes kind of blocks everybody. So I'm going to kind of hang out with you guys tonight. Is that okay? All right. I wasn't expecting so many of you. It's going to be hard to walk around. But anyway, it's good. It's good. So um, this is what we got uh, to talk about. Any questions? Everybody good? So, lost in the woods. I live out in the country. How many country people do we have? Okay. All right. Yeah. You probably could tell by me talking that I live in the country. So I live out in the country, and I live on a big old piece of land, and I have lots of... uh, uh, lots of fun stuff that goes on out there. I have lots of grass, but I have lots of other stuff. I have woods and trees, and there's this, there's this little creek that runs through the land. It's a dry creek, we call it. I mean, who knows what a dry creek is? Anybody? Tell me. What is it? What is it? It doesn't have water until what happens? Rain. Yeah, this is great. So I've got this all buried down inside, and, and, and this, is, uh, this is where I live, out in the middle of nowhere, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, to live there. Uh, so we were talking, my wife and I, my wife's name is Nikki, and we were talking about what we were going to do this summer. We said, hey, let's, are we going to do some vacation? We're going to go somewhere. What's our plan for this summer? And she made the statement, which is pretty cool. She said, you know, we live at a really cool place. Why would we go anywhere? And I thought, you're brilliant. You know, this is a brilliant thing. So seriously, this is what we did. We took about, I took about two weeks off, two and a half weeks off. She, she, was all, she didn't have work to do. Uh, the kids were off. And we hung around our property for two and a half weeks and, and went places but did stuff there and roamed around and just had a blast. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was incredibly great. Now, here's what, here's what, uh, here's what uh, happens, though, sometimes. Um, 
even though we got to play, we had to do some work. And because I have lots and lots of grass, normally she helps me mow grass. So we had, we had bought these new lawnmower blades. We had this brilliant, I mean, these people were talking about these new lawnmower blades, and we thought, well, surely it can't be that great. So we bought some brand new lawnmower blades. She likes to ride mow, and I do the push mowing and the weed eating and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's what he did. And we're mowing, and we got earbuds in, and we're listening to music. We're listening to books on tape. We're listening to podcasts. We're boring old people, okay? But we are having the time of our life on vacation, mowing grass, listening to books, audiobooks. This is what you have to look forward to when you grow up, all right? This is good stuff. So we're doing this, and, and then we, we get, uh, we finish, and, and we, we're, we're up at the, one of the little buildings. We're putting everything away. And, uh, and she says to me, she says, hey, where are the kids? Let me go ahead and tell you. If you're going for parent of the year, you never start with, where are the kids at? And the second worst statement is what I said. I don't have a clue. I haven't seen them. So, so here we are. We don't have kids. We don't know where they're at. And so we're walking, and I hear, we hear them. I said, oh, they're, they're out in the woods. So here's, an, here's a beautiful picture. Can we show a picture of the woods? And if you see, there's a little itty-bitty person there. That's my little boy, Cash. And, and that tree that he's standing beside, you can see how big it is. It's called a beech tree. we got lots of those things. And you can see he's kind of standing down where that creek is. And it just kind of runs down. And, and so I said, oh, there, that's where they're at. They're down. They named the creek. Con Creek is the name of the creek. I think they got confused with concrete, but I'm not sure. But that's the name of the creek, all right? So I said, oh, they're down at concrete. They're out there playing. And the closer that we got, walking down our little back trail toward the house, the closer that we got, she said, I think they're screaming. I said, no. Now, she, you know, to my defense, she overreacts. To, to, to my to my detriment, I underreact. So I said, no, nah, it's screaming. And the closer we got, the louder it got. And then she, her, her freak-out ometer went from about five to 50,000, about a nanosecond. So she's freaking out. She's running toward the woods. And when she gets to the edge of the woods, she begins to scream and to holler down in there. And, and, and I'm standing there. And I could hear that they were, you could hear them because all the echo was kind of, was kind of, bumping across those ravines, those deep ravines that we got in our, at our place. And you could hear them, and we would try to yell back to them, but they couldn't really hear, hear us because of the angle that we were at. Well, I knew that if I ran up the driveway, I could get on the other side of the creek because I, I could hear they were further up into the, into the woods. So that's what I did. And, and, and she went in the house to take a Xanax, something. I don't know, but <laughs> she did not need to be there because this was going to be bad, all right? And, and all we could hear was screaming. So we weren't sure, okay, break something. Uh, hopefully just lost. Um, good possibility something bit them um, because you could see that's pretty deep woods there. And so, uh, you know, we're all a little bit nervous and we're kind of wondering what's going to happen. So I take off running. And I could hear the echoes of them screaming and the screaming was getting louder. So as I got on the other side of the creek, I, I run up to the edge of the woods. There's an entrance I could go into and get to them, I think, pretty quickly. So I run up to the edge of the woods, and, and, I, and I went over to the edge, and I just cut my hands around my mouth, and I yelled 
hey, as loud as I possibly could. I wanted them to, I wanted the echo to kind of reverberate all through there so that they would be able to hear me and at least know that dad is nearby. Well, they heard me and the screaming went up even higher. They even got, they, you know, and so I would run about 20 more feet and I would do it. And then I'd run about 20 more feet and do it. And by the time I got up to the, where the entrance is, I ran into the woods and I saw them. They were about 20 feet in, but the woods had grown in from the summertime and it was so thick that they couldn't see that they were just 20 feet away from the edge. And so I got to them and I said, you've got to calm down. You've got to calm down. What is wrong? We're lost. I said, no, you're not lost. We're just, come here, I'll show you. And we walked about 20 or 30 feet and we walked out into an area that they were familiar with, but it was on the other side of the creek. So that's what caught them off guard. And so we get on the other side and I I said, look, and Cash said, when we walked out, he said, oh, oh, this is where we're at. How did we get over here on this side? I said, see, you're not lost. You were just a little bit, just a little bit away from where the edge was. But they were scared to death because... The woods had been one of these places of adventure. It had been one of these places where they go roamed around. It was one of the places that they loved. And the very, get this, this is what's odd. The very place that they loved at one time now is, is wreaking terror in their life. And they're scared to death over something that they used to have fun with. They're terrified at what it had become. They'd been in these woods many times, but now they're afraid. Tonight, we're going to talk about something that for me is one of those things that sometimes I get just as scared, frustrated, mad, and aggravated, and and just don't know what to do sometimes with it. But the church, when I see the church for you, Some people are like, that's a great thing. Some people go, oh, that aggravates me. It annoys me. I I walked away from it for many years. Many of your leaders will tell you stuff like this. I walked away from it for years. But we're going to talk about the church because here's the thing. I believe that there's an idea of the church that has such power and such weight and such strength that it will change so much. And I also believe There are ideas about the church that are just as lost in those woods as those two kids were. So tonight, we're going to tear into it. Tonight, we're going to deconstruct. We're going to tear some things apart so that we can rebuild it. Because I believe that there is something great wrapped up in this idea. And there's not a greater place to talk about it than the next generation of students. Because this is something that needs to become yours. That's what we're going to go to tonight. So let's talk about where it even came from. The word shows up in the Bible 114 times. 114 times it shows up, but the very first time that it's mentioned, it has a lot of weight to it. There's so many ideas surrounding it, and we're going to jump there and take a look at it. So here it is, the very first time that it shows up. You can take a look at the screens. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus was with his disciples. They were in a little city called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a city that was built by some governor trying to suck up to Caesar. And, and, and so this is, this is where they're at. And, and it's, it's also a very, 
It had such a bad reputation that there were some Jewish people that weren't even allowed to go into it because if they went into the city, they would be considered unclean, which was, which was an enormous thing for them. So here is Jesus. He's standing in Caesarea Philippi. He's standing with his disciples, and he asked them a question. He says, who do people say that I am? Quick, just raise a hand. How many of your friends have walked up to you and said, hey, who do people say I am? Right, it's a weird question, isn't it? In fact, when, when they do something like that, you go, well, can we, uh, do we need to get you some, uh, do we need to get you some help? Do we, do, you know, when somebody starts asking you who they say you are, what do you do with that? Jesus, they, they, Jesus says, hey, who do people say that I am? Now, now, here's the odd part. If it's not weird enough that somebody's asking you who people say you are, guess what they have in their back pocket? They have a list of names. And these guys start lobbing names out. Oh, man, they say you're Jeremiah. Oh, they said you were John the Baptist, come back from the dead. And the next thing you know, they start throwing out all of these names. They, they, apparently, they've had this conversation before. And, they, oh, yeah, I've heard that one said. Oh, I've heard that one said. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they said that about him. Or they said you're one of the great Hebrew prophets. And you hear these disciples quickly start throwing out stacks of names of who he was. And then I love what Jesus did. Jesus stops and he asks them a question. By the way, if you, if you, if you read any of the things that Jesus wrote, you'll pick up very quickly that he rarely gave answers, but he often asked questions. He rarely gave answers, but often asked questions. He says, all right, guys, well, who do you say I am? Peter is a guy that's with Jesus constantly, and he's pretty well known for constantly saying something off the cuff pretty quick. So Peter, I imagine he kind of, when taken out of the cell, kind of drops his head and says, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. I know who you are. Peter says, you're, you're the Messiah. And he doesn't just say the Messiah, but he, he tacks on something that I think is so important. He says, you're the son of the living God. Jesus had one time alluded to this, and, and the religious people wanted to take him outside of the city and stone him because he had, he had kind of made this allusion. They called it blasphemy, and they got very upset about it. And Jesus, and, and, but Peter, here's Peter making this pretty strong declaration. says, hey, I know exactly who you are. Now, and then Jesus does this. He says, that's right, Peter, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. On that rock, I'm going to build my church. Here's where we have just a little bit of problem. Let's talk about the problem. Jesus was a Jewish man. He wasn't just a Jewish man. He was a Jewish rabbi, which was a totally different thing. People say, oh, it's just, just a teacher. He was a Jewish rabbi. It was his entire lifestyle that he lived. He, most historians said he spoke Aramaic. And he was a Jewish rabbi talking about ancient Hebrew teachings in Aramaic to a group of people. And then his buddy Matthew, one of his followers, 20 years after he dies, writes down what Jesus said, what we've just read, and he wrote it down in Greek. Do you think, possibly that something has gotten lost in the translation. The Roman government would hunt down Christians and kill most of them. Any of the major leaders of the church, they would hunt them down and kill them. And around 400 uh, A.D., they kind of had a change of heart. 
And then they go find all the bones of the people that they had killed. They built buildings over some of them. Some of them they moved to Rome and built giant buildings over top of them. Uh, they went and collected all of the writings of the, of the people from the church that they had been murdering. And they put them in a book. And they took a chain and hooked to it. And they bolted the chain to a lectern in the front of one of those buildings. And it stayed that way for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then finally, somewhere around 15, 1600, some people got a little aggravated at the system, and they kind of pushed back on it. And the next thing you know, we have a printing press invention, and then the Bible is translated into English, and now we have an English translation of a Greek word from a Jewish guy who wrote down what his Jewish rabbi had said, who was a Hebrew teacher. Do you think, maybe, possibly, something got lost in the translation? So let's talk about the little word church. We'll start there. How about that? Start with that. So here's, the, here's, the, here's your fun with Greek words for the summertime. You ready? Here it is. That's it. Anybody know, anybody know how to say it? Okay. All right. Ready? We're going to say it together. You want to say it together? Don't you hate it when people ask you to do stuff together? All right. Here's the word. Ecclesia. Isn't that a tough, isn't that a cool word? Yeah. It's, it has like tattoo-esque stuff about it, right? Ecclesia. All right. So, so here's the, let's talk about this word for just a minute. So this was a very common Greek word. A lot of people use it in that day. And essentially what it meant was this, my group of people. In my day, when I grew up, it would be my peeps, my people. Some modern translations of that have been my squad, my crew, right? These are modern translations of this, and you probably have better ones nowadays. But the, these are, these are some, of the, some of the ways that this word would be used. And it was a group of people that gathered together for a purpose. So when you think of church, how many of you think that it's a building? How many of you think the church is a building? How many of you use this phrase? Hey, we're going to go to church. How many of you have done this one? This is my favorite. Hey, don't do that in what? Church. But we, but we see in the original word, it had nothing to do with a building, did it? It had everything to do with you, with a people. It had everything to do with you. Jesus told Peter, he said, hey, Peter, when he said, who am I? Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Peter said, hey, Jesus said to Peter, he said, you know what, Peter? Flesh and blood didn't tell you this. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Now, that's a weird term, isn't it? He could have said John didn't tell you that, right? He could have pointed to some, oh, yeah, the guy you talked to the other day, he didn't tell you that. But Jesus used this term, flesh and blood, and I think it's because it's deep-rooted. There's an echo of something from way back. When God created the heavens and the earth, there's this beautiful poem that begins the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth. One of the phrases wrapped up inside of there says this, that God said, let's make man. In our image. You go on to read and it says this. It says that God took dirt and put it together and formed it into a person. 
and then breathed into, the, into it the breath of life, and, and man became a living soul. Man became flesh and blood. God had taken, made a little clay person, and then made them into real life. And here's, here's the thing that I think is so interesting for me. Jesus is way, a couple thousand years later, he says, Peter, I'm starting something so new, so big. I'm not, it's not going to be that we're going to cobble together some dirt and make a new person. Actually, what I'm going to do is from a rock, I'm going to create a people that is going to be so incredibly able to bring hope, change, difference to this world. So really, it should kind of look like this. And I tell you, Peter, from this rock, I will form my people. For far too long, for far too long, church has been there. It's always been somewhere that we go. For far too long, it's been pointed at a direction, and it's been a there. For far too long, church has been, oh, that's next week, that's next Wednesday night, that's next Sunday. It's been a then. It's been a there, and it's been a then, and it's been somebody else. You ever look and say, oh, uh, yeah, them them are church people. Them, them. It's been far too long pointed somewhere else. The church is not there. It is not then. It is not them. The church is now. It is here, and it is you. And it is far more powerful than any building could ever be. It is far stronger than any little group of gathering together and locking themselves inside of four walls could ever be because the church was never meant to be a building. So then you ask the question, where in the world did we ever come up with that? Yeah. Yeah, ecclesia doesn't even mean, it just kind of got lost in the translation. It got lost as we moved through it. So, so for me let, me, let me describe for you a little bit what church is. Because I think you fit into this. There was a lady who would take her kids to school every day, and she would drop them off, pick them up, there would be opportunities for her to go hang out to school and volunteer, and she would substitute, teach things like that. She would just kind of be around the school. One day, she gets home, drop the kids off, they're outside playing. One of her kids comes running inside and says, hey, there's a lady in the driveway. She walks out. She goes, you don't know me. She goes, but I see you at the school all the time, and, and my kids are in class with your kids, and, and, and you, you just seem like this incredibly kind person and and I just I just wanted to know who you were and I want to talk to you and as those two ladies begin to talk the one began to realize that the church was here and it was now and it was us then there was the guy who was cooking dinner one night with his family. Phone rings. 
can't get to it. He's in the middle of cooking stuff. The guy leaves a voicemail. He sees it's a guy that he used to work with uh, who's up in the company and, and, and pretty well known. And he's, okay, well, if he's calling me, this has got to be important. Turns around, calls him right back. And, and the guy says, hey, uh, you said if I ever needed anything that, that I could call you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What, what, what's going on? What do we need to do? Is is, you got everything you need? He said, well, I just got back from the doctor, and, and the doctor says that I have cancer, and, and it's in my liver, and, it's, and it doesn't look good, and, and, and I've, I've got to face death. And, and, and really, I just wanted to come and call you and talk to you because I was hoping you'd pray for me. And as the man with cancer is telling the guy this story, that man begins to realize that the church is not there. It's not then, and it's not someone else. He was beginning to realize that it is here, and it is now, and it is us. And then there was the other lady who was concerned with the community that she lived in. She, she had run into so many people, and she was so concerned with them, and she said, you know what, I, 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 I need to figure out a way. And she started talking to a couple friends, and she says, what if we just got together on a, on a Sunday afternoon, uh, you, you know, two or three of them, and, and, and she was just concerned about the people in her, in her community. She wanted to love on them. She wanted to pour her life into some other people, and she began to talk to them, and, and, and they were back and forth, and what we're going to do, and what we're going to talk about, and they, and they kept going back and forth, and all of a sudden they said, she said, okay, let's just go ahead and do it. So two weeks from now, we'll, we'll kick it off on a Sunday afternoon, and three or four of them had agreed to it. Within about two hours, there was 10, 12 people that she didn't even know had started texting her, said, so-and-so said they were coming over to your house. Hey, can, can I come? Can I come hang out? Can, can I come talk to you? And this group of women began to do things in their own lives. They began to dig into the, their life. And church was here, and it was now. And it was us. For far too long, the church has been some type of an it that something else used. You would have one race use the church against another race. You would have one gender use the church against another gender. We would have one religion use the church against another religion. We would have one group use the church against another group. The church was never an it, and it was never for them to use. The church is you, and it is not an it. And we need to reclaim it. Probably one of the saddest stories that I heard recently is about two years ago. There were a group of people that were terrorists, and, and they were gathered in Libya, and they found a group of Christian men, and they gathered these group of Christian men around the seashores of the Mediterranean Sea. And, of course, they videoed horrific things they did to them. And they murdered every one of them. And they were being murdered because they were Christian. And there was a video. And one of the people watching the video had picked up on the language that he was using. And before they murdered them, some of them were just simply saying, Lord Jesus Christ. For that group of men, the church realized that it wasn't something that was there. They realized that it wasn't something then that we had to wait for. They began to realize that it wasn't a group of somebody else. They realized that it was here, and it was now, and it was us. And then this past Sunday, there was a shy, backward lady sitting in a church service beside of an addict who was shaking, but he was so happy to be where he was at. 
And the preacher says, hey, grab the hand next to you. And the addict reaches over and grabs her hand. And, 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 and her heart is broken because she can see that he's struggling. He still smelled. You could smell some of the addiction still on him. And, 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 she, was, and she was just sitting there and she just held his hand as tight as she could. Because she was realizing while she was sitting in a church service and a guy was up there teaching like I'm doing right now, that church was really right there where she was sitting. It was here and it was now and it was us. I really believe that if we grab a hold of what that is, and the millions of other stories just like that, many of the ones that you have, that it makes a huge difference. Jesus would say it like this. He would say this. Look at this next verse. The person who trusts me will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things than these. Listen. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Don't let anybody hold you back because I really believe that when Jesus made this statement, he was looking ahead at people like you and I and said, those people are going to do greater things than I have done. Those people are going to be not a building but a church, a people that live inside of communities and neighborhoods at schools, and they are going to make a radical difference in this world. They're going to bring hope that nobody ever thought was possible. They're going to make the difference that's going to change everything. So here's what I hope for you. May you reclaim the church. May you stop letting someone else define what it is. May you walk into your schools, your homes, your neighborhoods, on the ball field, anywhere that you are, and be the church that Jesus said, I'm going to form out of a rock. And it's going to be so powerful. It's going to be so strong. Death can't stop it. Nothing can't stop it. It's going to be that strong. And that is you. This is what God believes about you. And may you reclaim it. And may you make it greater than it's ever been. Thank you. You listen great. Thanks for listening. If you would like to get more information on Impact Student Ministry or The Summit Church, visit us online at thesummitchurch.net.